everybody. Welcome to Movies with a Spine. I'm Nathan. And I'm Chris Shomili. And I'm Ryan. And on Movies with a Spine, we are going through every Criterion release one spine at a time. Today we are going over spine number 681, Francis Ha, a Noah Baumbach film, black and white starring Greta Gerwig. Um, yeah, does anyone here want to give a good plot synopsis for this one? Well, with the title like Francis Ha, I mean, you're thinking it's going to be a really good comedy. I'm in for some quality laughs here. <laughs> I'm thinking it's about a girl that's aspiring to be like a really good comedian. And that's why they call her Francis Ha, because she's just so darn funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can at least get one Ha. Now, what I hear is in France, we're laughing. All right. <laughs> We're laughing at very subtle humor, too, because this is a black and white film, which means mm-hmm. it's a pretentious art house movie. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to be laughing at very, very specific societal humor. All right. Are we going to be laughing in French, though? Um, ha Yes. I think whenever you, you know, you put on your intelligent brain, you switch it on, you know, and I'm not watching Transformers here. I'm watching Francis Ha, though, thinking of French. Um, well, one, when I'm watching Transformers, I'm laughing. Hilarious. Michael Bay. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. But in, I believe in France, this movie is actually is called Francis Ho Ho. <laughs> <laughs> Or is that, I don't know, you know, that sounded like it would have been in the freaking North Pole. Yeah, I don't, Francis Ho Ho Ho. Woo. Francis Aha oh Aha. Uh-huh. But in reality, folks, you want me to just read the Criterion uh, synopsis yes. again? Okay. Look, Greta Gerwig is radiant as Francis, a woman in her late 20s in contemporary New York trying to sort out her ambitions, her finances, and above all, her intimate but shifting bond with her best friend, Sophie, played by Mickey Sumner. Meticulously directed by Noah Baumbach with a free and easy vibe reminiscent of the French New Wave's most spirited films and written by Baumbach and Gerwig with an effortless combination of sweetness and wit. Francis Hogg gets at both the frustrations and the joys of being young and unsure of where to go next. I'm not going to read the rest. There's one sentence, but I'll, you know, I'll, you know, for the sake of us not getting in trouble for just ripping off the synopsis there, I'm not going to read the last sentence. It's, I'm going to leave that good, to the, good. the listener good. to look up. Yes. They're going to have to buy the Blu-ray if you want to read the rest of the synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll have to stop into their Barnes & Noble, buy it, save it, you know, because I think Don't read it. Don't read it while you're in the store. That upsets me that like people will like read the synopsis without buying it. And I think that's a little upsetting. So in all seriousness, I always like to not read the synopsis though before buying it. I I actually do like to do that. I I I a lot of times I've bought movies just based entirely on the cover. And uh this is actually the best way. Yeah, and I actually watched this on Netflix before it became a criterion, I think. So like that's what was like my very first viewing of it, but yeah, I mean it's it's a really relatable movie. Which it's a late twenties girl like trying to figure out like how to be an adult, pretty much because she's like she's been in the same apartment with her best friend, and she pretty doesn't take life all that seriously. And she really she's been doing the same job for a really long time, and 
everyone's kind of pushing her to kind of take that next step. And she's just kind of having that fear of making that first step. Yeah. Um, I watched this movie, not maybe not when exactly it came out, maybe a year or two later, but even then um, I'll show my age here. Uh, I was still not 20. <laughs> I was not in my twenties. Didn't know what that was like. I was, you know, I was in freaking high school. Okay. Um, and at the time when I was watching this movie, I uh, did not understand it and I did not relate to it in any way. <laughs> uh, <coughs> it was the first, first Bombback movie I watched. I didn't even know who he was at the time. Um, and I watched it because I was like, okay, I'm going to be a little artsy. Okay. I'm going to watch this black, <laughs> this black and white film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I walked away not liking it <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. And the um, first thing you did was got get on IMDb and write up a review about right. how much pulled, you didn't like pulled it. it for the show. <laughs> I hope you found my review for the later segment. But um, yes, this is a movie that uh, you. I think you need to at least be somewhat into your twenties and beyond to <laughs> relate with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. in any way, <laughs> you know, at, at a younger age, I guess you could probably take away from it the uh, some of the lightness. Some of the sweetness, her character, maybe you yeah. could watch and, you know, and the filmmaking itself. But to, to, I guess to really grasp it, you do need that relatability. It's a very important part of it because it is a movie about the highs and lows of, uh, I guess, you know, sort of arrested development in a way. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Um, I feel like you have to be a certain place. And I, when I watched it for the first time about two years ago, because I was on a Bombac kick and I had never seen this one, um, it's definitely relatable, highly relatable. So I, I get that completely. And I will show my age because when I first watched it, when it first came out, I was in my mid-20s. So it I, I, it was very relatable then <laughs> because I was in kind of like a dead-end type of job and I'm just like, just didn't feel like I could get into that next gear of like being like a serious adult. And I'm here to tell you being in my mid in my early thirties still feels like that sometimes, <laughs> but uh, so it's still very relatable even now. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's kind of like stepping out of your comfort zone a lot. Cause you, you know, you, you're, you might be in like a real dead end type of job or like you see that all your friends are kind of like, moving on and going and doing exciting things and you're kind of like i'm still in the same spot i was so it it still hits home in a lot of ways so i i watching it a second time it still had the same impact for me that's good and i think that's um that's what's nice about like this movie in particular it kind of gives a voice to that feeling i guess It, it does a great job of uh describing that because the worst part about that about seeing people move on ahead of you and everything is the feeling of like oh I'm alone in this I have to fight against this alone but you see watch this movie and then you realize like oh there are people out there that feel this exact way um and that's explained all through her arc um and I I I love our lead here she is great I just want to talk about Greta Gerwig in like general about how great she plays this character um I don't know if this is the I didn't feel this as much this first time, or sorry, the second time. The first time I watched it, I didn't like the character for the first 30 minutes. Couldn't stand her. And then I slowly like fell in love with the character. And I don't know if that was by design. Um, as she kind of realized her place and what 
was going on with her life, you kind of fall slowly in love with that character. I don't know if you guys had a similar experience at all. Well, she is a narcissist, mm-hmm. um, but also has that like care, kind of carefree energy too. Yeah. Sometimes I could see how that could be unlikable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially the way these characters talk is just rapid, you know? Yeah. And um, when I first watched it, I really could not keep up. <laughs> and uh, I was, I got sick of it real fast, but watching it now, I get what you mean because, you know, at first you don't really see, you see her kind of go through the lows, right? But she's just kind of there in a way. She, you don't see her really experience her, like the lows, which come later in the film, like the pair, the whole Paris sequence. Um, one, and also big highs too, when you experience her big highs, uh, which is like when she goes home to see her family, that's when she's seemingly the most happy. That's like a big high and also the end. So when we first see this character, like, for example, in the first 30 minutes, yeah, she is in like a mid middle area. Um, and you don't, I, you don't really know what to do with the information you're being given. But it does, it, yeah, for such a short film, it does take me a little bit to settle into it. And considering this was my second time watching it, I was, you know, I had that that aftertaste from the last time I watched it, where I was like, yeah, I really didn't like this movie. Going into it, I was like, you know, this is a very good film. Uh, like, like watch going through it. That is, I'm like, oh, oh no, I'm relating with this a lot. Yeah, it's hard. To watch. This, it's like, it's such, it's a movie that's like at one some point so hard to like. It's hard to watch, very uncomfortable. But then at other points, like just kind of joyous, and and in a lot of parts, very funny too. Yeah, yeah, funny. No, it, it definitely explores like all of that. I love it, um, especially with like you talk about the joyous, like the dance scene sequences in the street and stuff like that. I think they do a good job of, I don't know, making it all work together. Yeah, I, I that that scene I liked a lot where she's like dancing in the street to David Bowie. That was a pretty fun scene. Um, but back to what you were saying about her being unlikable. I mean, like the very first scene that we see her in, she's like in a relationship with a guy and they're kind of like, he's like, oh, you like kind of talking about the next step of like them moving in together. And she's kind of like, well, you know, I got to think about my best friend or whatever. Like, she's just kind of thinking up like different excuses about why she can't do it. And the guy's like, this isn't working out. And she's like, all right, well, you know, she's just, she's all for the breakup without even trying and just like, yeah, okay, I guess we're broken up now. And so, I mean, you know, she's shit talking like her best friend's boyfriend. So it, she's, there's a definitely a lot of qualities. I could see somebody not liking her, but um, it kind of like, it gives you that perspective though, of like why she's like that. And like, you know, she's, she's just used to this kind of familiarity. Yeah. She, um, very much is in the middle a lot of the times in the sense that she can't make her mind up uh, and doesn't really want things to change a lot of the times, which is a very relatable quality. I mean, that, that you know, the, the, her scenes where she is being very narcissistic, I think they're all things that, you know, just, especially like in your 20s, you do. Yeah, especially like it's just human nature. Interacting with other people mm-hmm. in general. I mean, we've all been to an awkward dinner party uh, where maybe we we either talk too much or we don't talk enough. And then in her case, she talks way too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a person that her inner monologue 
tends to just become her outer monologue. She can't really keep things to herself, um, which is also a quality that you could find obnoxious in a person. Yeah, um, or like there's that there's one scene where she like she moves in with a girl from her dance troupe or her ballet class or whatever, and uh, they're like as she's like as they're walking to the apartment, she like one thing she used to do with her best friend is they used to like kind of play fight with each other, like they would like play slap and like wrestle and then she's like trying to get the other girl to do it she's like all right it's fun here i'll i'll show you and she just starts grabbing and she's like what the hell are you doing like <laughs> she's just and she's just like no 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 you're you gotta you gotta fight back a little and she does it again she's like get away from me yeah which is probably the most one of the best <laughs> moments in the movie like that scene yeah. cracks me up it is so good yeah and it's like yeah. um it's like a lack of self-awareness right like that's part mm-hmm. of the humor which is good like not reading the room yeah exactly um, and and you know that's that is like i was saying something you could see someone doing and think wow that person must be awful to be around <laughs> but then you see her go through like the whole college sequence where she's back at her old college working as like an mm-hmm. ra and as a waitress not a waitress but like has to carry a wine yeah. bottle around um i'm not a waitress and, i'm a poor yeah yeah <laughs> And in that, that you start to like, you know, feel for her. No, I think those are like some of the best so moments of that movie. She's like, a, she's a character that you have to take all the negatives, you know, and the positives. And that forms like this fully formed person. Well, I, I, I could go into this. We're only talking about Francis Ha, but I think that's what Bomb, Bombac does best is creating human characters, characters with flaws, characters with issues and i think that makes it even more relatable because nobody's perfect and you look at francis ha and it's like okay this is a human character i get it yeah um and one thing and what you can kind of gather from from like the special features but i think you could definitely get a sense of it while you're watching it is this is a noah bombback directed movie but it definitely feels like a collaboration between noah bombback and uh, greta gerwig oh yeah yeah and you learn a lot about that for sure. Like it definitely feels like this was two people having an idea, not rather than this is a director's idea. So, mm-hmm. and then, um, yeah, and when and that would grow a pretty great relationship between them, when movie wise, and then they mm-hmm. ended up being married. So that's cool. But um, but no, Ooh. it definitely feels like a voice of two people. Like I feel like you can see a lot of like what would happen in Lady Bird in this movie kind of pop yeah. up. Yeah. Once you've seen Noah Baumbach's movies, like this was the first one I've seen um, way back when, um, but not too long ago. Yeah, I, I went through a lot of his movies and I started to understand his style and what he was going for. And I grew to really like it a lot. He's one of my favorites, favorite filmmakers now. Um, so going back to it, I, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, why didn't I get it in the first place? Um, but also at the same time, I could see how someone could put this on and be really turned off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because he really, he, it does lay it on pretty thick, you know, black and white, uh, yeah. really fast paced dialogue. The characters just openly kind of use like s- slang and um, they uh, talk about a lot of like sex a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can definitely tell, like, because um, they talk about in the special features, the new wave, like, inspiration yeah. here. That's definitely, like, what's going on. Very but, like, in your face. 
it feels real though is the thing like this is is how friends would talk to each other really close friends Mm -hmm. and when she's like talking way too much at a dinner party where she's not she's doing that because she's not getting a lot back from the other people right Mm -hmm. and that that whole dinner party scene is like a it's kind of amazingly uncomfortable just because of like the nuances of it uh, yeah. very specific things and of course it ends with her having this whole monologue about her deepest like passion or like her deepest belief and uh, that's like looking at someone in a room and and sharing something you know an un- some sort of unspoken bond and you i don't know if the other people at the party you get this mixed feeling of like these people seem very moved but also kind of like who is this person yeah and, like can we yeah. move like can we leave now because <laughs> that she doesn't know it i mean she only knows like one person from that party right like her roommate at the time yeah, yeah. her yeah her roommate who seems very turned off from, by her yeah, yeah she doesn't seem to like her because even like when they're talking about their living arrangement it was like it's like yeah you know i figure i'll stay there for like uh you know six seven weeks She's like uh i thought we said five it's like oh yeah five I just like can can't wait to get her out of her apartment. Yeah, yeah. When um, when she, when that character shows up, Rachel played by Grace Gummer, I kept thinking she was Sophie. Um, really? Because they kind of they kind of look alike from far away. But yeah. then in the special features, Bombeck talked did. about how originally Grace Gummer was supposed to be Sophie, mm-hmm. but Mickey Sumner worked so well with Greta Gerwig. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and. It hits all these specific points of, uh, I guess, just living. Um, for example, like right from the top, they start talking about rent, and uh, you know what's next. And you, you're, and it kind of in the movie watching, you're like, but we just kind of settled in here, like movie wise. Like oh, I thought this was the setup. I thought it was about two friends. Yeah, that's no. that's one big. That's one big theme of this movie, just couch surfing. So I mean, she that she kind of once she gets kind of kicked out of her apartment with her best friend because her best friend moves out to a different apartment. She ends up having to live with like these two guys who like she just met, and then she lives with like somebody else. So she lives like with the girl in her dance troupe, and then she has to go back to college and become an RA. So she's just she really can't find like this stable living environment so we're all like it's constantly changing of like where she's going yeah the idea of a poor artist in new york kind of yeah yeah and the the motif throughout the film um of her moving from place to place is that we see the addresses Mm -hmm. on the screen which apparently they just they photo they photocopied text to give it that that you know classic feeling to match with the black and white which i like a lot um but as someone you know now that i've in my life moved like six times in the past five years uh uh you know that's and i'm, I'm getting ready to move again very soon um that's a just like you know much more poignant mm-hmm. uh it's one of those things you watch and, you're, and it just it kind of moves me in a weird way yeah um it's, yeah i get that it, yeah. So it's it's something that captures like uh, the sadness of uh, time passing by, but also like just the hu- you know, humor of being around other people and the different relationships you can have in any given moment. I mean, whenever we get a sequence of her 
just going somewhere. Like we get a, you know, we move into a montage, like her going home or her going to Paris. Um, it's usually set to, a, it's, it can be set to a pop song or it's set to a song from French New Wave uh, movies. Um, and it moves like really fast. It's like really rapid cutting, especially when she goes home. That's the moment where I was like, oh wait, this movie's really good because you see her living her kind of mundane 20s life and it's like uh, you know just barely scraping along and it's like what what am I doing but then when she goes home she's happy Um, but also there's the sadness too the sadness of going home you know what is home is it really my home anymore but seeing her family and everything her real conversation the real parents Greta Gerwig's actual family in the movie um, and seeing her like there's like one little shot of her like getting ice cream with friends characters that we have not seen before in the movie um it's just like little things that i'm like yeah that is going home for christmas the highs and lows um just very just very well done uh well i so i mean we kind of learn about you know how kind of childish she is because during the dinner party like one couple's talking about how they have like this apartment in France and they're just like oh yeah they just they kind of offhandly say like uh yeah you know we can kind of we have this apartment if anybody wants to stay in it at any point just let us know and uh she's like oh well I don't think I'm gonna go to Europe at any point and then at the dinner party you know she gives this kind of like big speech about what she's kind of looking for in life and everything and kind of gives her like a philosophy but you could tell she gets really embarrassed by it. And then she's like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, uh, hey, can I use that uh, apartment in France? <laughs> so like all of a sudden she just goes to France just on a whim. And I mean, it's the, the all the scenery and stuff that you shoot out there looks great. And it looks really good in black and white too. Oh yeah. But the trip itself is a miserable one. Yeah, depressing. Yes. Normally yeah. in a film, I know Bombach talks about this in the interview that normally in movies, when a character makes a spontaneous trip, you know, it's life changing. They go there, they meet someone, you know, their life has changed forever. They have a more positive outlook. They make friends and everything works out for them. But in her case, she gets there, she's jet lagged. She takes sleeping pills, <laughs> falls asleep, misses like... <laughs> almost the entire day and she's only there for two days she wanders around she tries to go to a bookstore it's closed (laughs) she calls Sophie she yeah and she actually knows somebody that lives out there in France and she's trying to get a hold of them to meet up later for dinner (laughs) the people don't even like return her call until after she lands back in New York yeah just (laughs) like depressing in the most humorous way right like Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah, what a what a great sequence. I, I feel like that's where the movie really hits upon um, is like this idea of like mundaneness, I guess, like the idea of like maybe something bigger going on like France, but it's almost become mundane. Like I, I feel like that's such a big fear is like taking a vacation and doing absolutely nothing with it. And then being at like, oh, have you ever been to France? Which so should be an amazing experience. And then I think this happens to her in the movie where they're like, oh, you've been to France? She's like, yeah, I was there for like two days. Like, you know, she had nothing there. And um, yeah, very, very interesting. I've never seen a vacation really done like that in a movie. 
except for mm-hmm. in Home Alone. So <laughs> she's <laughs> she stares into the pit of loneliness in that moment, and what should be what should be the peak moment of this entire film, and it is also probably the funniest uh, part of the mo- movie for me because the whole time it's set to um, just a to uh, every everyone's a winner by Hot Chocolate. Uh, it's o- oddly perfect. <laughs> And um, the, another sequence when she's running through the street, um, I think that's it's that part, right? That's set to the David Bowie song. Yes, yeah. Modern yeah. Love. Mm-hmm. It works so well. Or is that the end of the movie? Because the movie ends with a pop well, song also. It's Modern Love appears twice. Yeah. Modern oh. Love is and, and the dancing in the street and it's the end credits too. Right. Right. And then throughout, he does use a lot of Different songs, music from um, Jules and Jim, um, yeah. Godard, other movies. Yeah, no, the, he does a great job with like music in this movie. Um, God, he, he really he really does. Which I mean, he usually always does. I feel like because um, I think about Mistress America. I think the music in that is also like excellent. Um, I think that's what keeps the movie going because it's very it's edited so well and so fast paced you throw in that music and it just it blazes right past i mean i've watched plenty of hour 20 minute movies that are boring and take forever to get through even though they're short but this one goes by so fast it's it's done well it's really paced out and done well going through uh no bombeck's career is um I, I noticed that a lot of them like the most notable movies the ones that get the most uh you know praise the ones that are talked about the most are usually the, like cornerstones of a certain time in a person's life um like his first film kicking and screaming that's college life um or is that is it post college life right is it is that actually I, never seen kicking and screaming i haven't I've, seen it i've seen it i really liked it a lot and i don't remember if it's about people who just got out of college or if it's they're <laughs> still in college wait okay that, that's the will ferrell soccer movie right a bunch yeah, of guys yes, hang yeah. around there. Okay, yeah, you know, it's about My post, favorite. It's about post graduation, but not like uh, the IMDb description is a bunch of guys hanging around their college for months after graduation, continuing a life much like the one before graduation. Wow, what a great it. description! It's a good film though. Yeah, um, yeah. But then there's you know you, a few films later you get a, the Squid and the Whale, which is about. Um, it's about growing so up through a divorce. Yeah, yeah, growing up from two angles through a divorce. Mainly about being young and in a divorce, it seems. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That's another one I haven't watched in a little bit. That's but so not, I remember it not really being from the parents' perspective as much. It, right? it's, from the, it's from the kids yeah. because, like, he said, because Noah Baumbach's parents uh, divorced. So that's kind of like his personal, like, experience with the divorce and... Right. And then much later, almost 20 years later, we get a uh, marriage story, which Noah Baumbach did go through a divorce with Jennifer Jason Lee, And that was kind of like the adult version of Squid and the Whale. Yeah. Right. Who is in, who is in uh, Margo at the wedding, which not really one of my favorites of his. Uh, yeah. That one's just like mean, right? It's just like kind of just, it's, it's a lot more mean spirited yeah. for sure. But then you get to, um, in 2012 
after the squid and the whale. Uh, I'm skipping Greenberg, later. buddy. What the <laughs> heck? Oh. One of the ones I that was my not first seen. one of his movies. I haven't I seen Greenberg. I have it. not seen Greenberg. It seems it does seem kind of obnoxious, but I guess I have to see it for myself and decide. I have to I have to rewatch it. As someone who enjoys his films and knows that he is much more than uh, what his, like you know like I guess uh, the freaking you know the the mob squad gets from his movies probably like with the whole wedding story thing that happened or marriage story the marriage story story. memes oh yeah oh yeah the the (laughs) non-acting movie where they just scream at each other right yeah wedding story sounds like like a romantic comedy yeah it sounds like wedding singer that's you said that i think i thought of like the wedding planner with j-lo oh yeah yeah or wedding crashers Sorry. And that's not, this isn't me. I'm not saying that like his other films aren't worth talking about because like Mistress America, Meyerowitz stories. No. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> those two. <laughs> no, he is. Yeah. Oh, and uh, While We're Young uh, is good too. Yeah, um, was it uh, Madagascar 3 that he helped yeah, write? Yeah, of course. Yep, he wrote it. And his upcoming film, Barbie, the him and Greta Gerwig are writing. The Barbie. Oh, my. That Greta That's going to be interesting. Of course, his next movie is White Noise, which is a book I've always wanted to read and never gotten around to. That's it. a Netflix movie, right? He's back at it with Netflix. So. Probably. But I really. Those, I re- oh, go ahead. But Meyerowitz, like, and Mrs. America and those films are not are awkwardly just not talked about as much i feel like no i i actually think merowitz because like the rest of like the like you know marriage story got like a release i think it deserves a release that movie's excellent love that movie. i haven't seen it oh it's, it's really adam sandler's great in it like he like steals the show yeah everyone talks everyone talks about adam sandler um his like that he does gives a one good performance every 10 years but hey Okay, he was in the Meyerowitz story in 2017, and then and grown ups too. Gems 2019. Oh. Okay. Oh, 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 whoops. Gotcha. And I don't remember what year Jack and Jill was, but he played two characters. 2011. Perfect. The 2010s. He gave he gave a lot of good performances in the 2010s. Um. Uh, but you know, bring him back for white. Noise. <laughs> yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll reel really back uh, a little. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is an entry for Noah Baumbach, but like we said, uh, this definitely feels like this is Greta Gerwig's like big breakout role. Because I mean, she was in Greenberg, and I know I haven't seen Greenberg, like I said, but I do know that like that she did get kind of some acclaim for Greenberg, but uh, she was just like a supporting character for that one. So this is kind of like her big breakout starring role, and this kind of like made a name for herself. Yeah, yeah. Now she's gotten like to be a director, a nominated director, and everything. And uh, I'm glad she got her breakout role because, like, like you said, just like indie roles and stuff like that. But now she she can star, and she also she made Little Women the other year, which is a big mm-hmm. deal movie. Um, and this is kind of where it really was big big break. Yeah, she got she got her start in like mumblecore movies. Yeah, yeah, um, she was in um like Hannah, Hannah takes, takes the, the stairs. stairs. Yeah, where he went the Duplass brothers and. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what's his name? You know what's his name? Joe Swanberg, and um, you know people always say Lady Bird's her first movie she directed, but that's not true. That's not true. She directed a film called Nights and Weekends, okay, with Joe Swanberg. Oh, that's okay? right. Yeah, I've seen that. Two thousand, two thousand and eight. All right, 
Um, I never hear about that one at all, but it's, it's, it's Mumblecore. I guess they were probably partners working together a lot before, uh, you know, Noah came and swooped her up. All right. <laughs> no more Mumblecore. But you can see the Mumblecore influence in this movie. Like to go back to Francis Ha, like that beginning dialogue where they're sitting in bed and was like, what are my dreams? Tell, can you tell me about my future? That seems like something ripped right out of Mumblecore. And I don't hate Mumblecore movies, so like that's fine with me. I I, I guess I'm not too educated in what Mumblecore is exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, what, I mean, it's like it's all natural, like filmmaking, right? Like they're like, oh, you can't put any sound in your movie unless it's like music playing like in the street or like natural yeah. playing music. I, it's kind of like, you know, Dogma 95, that whole Lars von Trier, like naturalistic filmmaking, not to like that hardcore of a degree, but it's definitely just like, you're going to come in we're not going to have a script and you're just going to talk, you know, we're just going to make this movie. Not a lot happens, but you know, Mumblecore is very broad. It's kind of a catch-all term because the movie Creep, have you guys ever seen Creep? Yeah, that's, we watched it. That That's considered Mumblecore. That's that called, one is? That's called, it's called horror Mumblecore. It's like a part of that movement, which is weird. It's, um, it covers a broad range. Of I things. Googled, I just Googled Mumblecore. And it says, Mumblecore is a subgenre of independent film characterized by naturalistic acting and dialogue, sometimes improvised, low-budget film production, an emphasis on dialogue over plot, and a focus on the personal relationships of people in their 20s and 30s. And then right underneath it, it says, people also ask, is Francis Haw Mumblecore? <laughs> well, let's see. Wow. It, says, it says, Greta Gerwig and Nora Baumbach, who co-wrote Francis Haw, are among the biggest names in the so-called Mumblecore genre. A subgenre um, of independent film characterized by an emphasis on naturalistic dialogue over no. plot and a preoccupation no. with the relatably aimless lives of white well, college-educated yeah. people in their twenties. So it's based just on, saying movie. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. Go for it. No, I was just saying based on the definition, it does not sound like it is mumblecore. No, <laughs> and like I don't. Th I think like the idea of like oh well, this movie is more about dialogue than story, so it must be mumblecore is really dumb. Like that's like that a, is that is too yeah. broad. Yeah, it's, I, it, I feel like mumblecore would be like, yeah, it's all improvised or something like that. You know, naturalistic and totally improvised. I feel yeah. like that's what mumblecore should be. This movie, they talk about in the supplements that this movie was not improvised at all. Like. Yeah. They went entirely by the script mm -hmm. um, for all the performances and a lot of the dialogue feels it's like very tight. It's not really the way people talk in real life necessarily. Yeah. Like, or or what you'd think from improvisation, right? Like where somebody's like talking and then like you kind of like have to think for a second and play off of that and stuff gets there, repeated. There will be like characters that speak kind of like they they're like their whole characteristic is that they're young right like when think about the scene where greta or i mean francis uh is working in the college and she has like the shirt on that says like ask me anything or something like that and she's with a girl who's like ew you're old you know yeah and the way the girl she's talks she just sounds like she knows nothing <laughs> and yeah, then like yeah, what was it she said? She's like, oh, yeah, I was I was just at this college like nine years ago or something. And she's like, oh, like, she's just, just, she's just like, she just looks incredibly old to her. Right. Yep. And then there's the other scene where 
Francis runs into her, her previous roommate and he's with like a, a, you know, a girl and the girl is like, uh, just like, I don't know. Which I, no, well, the yeah. girl's just like, you could, you know, she's just like, clearly just a person that this guy, you know, is sleeping with and that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like, like whenever Adam Driver brings home someone, mm-hmm. it's like, say hi to Missy. And then like the next time it's like, yeah, we're making um omelets or something and that character will just talk like that's who they are right they're just someone who's there to sleep with adam driver uh Mm -hmm. eat some food you'll never see them again and then we never see them again but i love that little touch of her talking about like oh yeah you know i i banged that guy i had sex with that guy and adam driver getting jealous over that even though it was just like a little fling that they did they just you know it was just for sex and his whole character is about flings too so yeah which i thought is like some funny irony um adam driver you know we just brought him up this is interesting very early i think adam driver right like i think at this time i didn't even know who he was did you think jj abrams saw him and i was like that's that's my guy <laughs> francis ha <Hoppe, laughs> yeah. yeah there he is <laughs> yeah uh he's good at playing an a-hole he's very good at uh playing the kind of, he's like i don't know there's something about him who's like when he's talking to someone he's really trying to talk about himself or trying to lead to talking about himself. I like yeah. him a lot. He's been in a lot of good roles. Like I, I don't know if you've seen Logan Lucky, but he's really good. Oh, he's in that really one, good in that. Yeah, yeah he's and, good. Uh, and Black Klansman. Um, yeah, he's great in Black Klansman. He was in this movie with Jason Bateman, where they're at a funeral together. I'm not remembering the name, but he's good in that. The movie's not that great, but he's really good in it. He's like a like just like a crazy cousin. Even when Adam Driver's playing this. Look, I'm going to go back to 2013 and use a term from that age that we don't say anymore. Freaking hipster. Okay. He was a freaking hipster in that movie. Um, but uh, when he's a hipster a-hole, even then I find him likable because it's Adam Driver. Yeah, because well, Adam he, Driver's great. He just has I, a screen presence. <laughs> well, it's funny because like in the like in the movie, you know, Francis like barely could pay rent and like Adam Driver's like hitting her up for like rent money. He's like, hey, uh, where's your half of the where's your third of the rent and she's like oh well I, I don't have it right now and then it's just like we find out like oh his dad is basically funding like his rent and like he doesn't have to get a real job he's like oh I'm an artist and like even Sophie's like only rich people are artists because those yep. are the only people that can afford to be artists except and for Francis I'm looking at Adam Driver's IMDb page and his known for <laughs> It's it sandwiched between two Star Wars movies is Patterson. <laughs> yeah. And then on the other side of that is Marriage Story. Well, and then Star Wars, honey. Just like the complete opposites of the, the spectrum here. Uh, Patterson, another one that could be Criterion. It might be, I don't know. But look, Adam it's Driver, not, he doesn't have a big role in this movie. I think this, this was kind of like when he wasn't really as known he, but he was showing yeah. up at things yeah he was doing stuff yeah he had a pretty prominent role on uh the show girls on hbo so that's right he was he was getting some attention then well he was in 2013 he was in lincoln okay oh it does 2012 he was in lincoln well this this movie awkwardly francis Ha goes between 2012 and 2013 all right um but uh he was in inside lewin davis um and oh, yeah. uh he became Noah Baumbach's guy, popping up in all his movies. He was in J. Edgar. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> Fuck. 
Jay Edgar. I he was just showing up in movie. He was showing up in things. All right. And yes, he played Samuel Beckwith in Lincoln. That classic character. <laughs> what? Beckwith? That's wow. That's isn't, a big role. That's a big get. Even bigger that, than uh, Lincoln that, himself. Isn't that the movie production title? <laughs> What do you, see? you know that you know that one? The production what? company Samuel Samuel <laughs> yes. Samuel Bakewood. Also, he's famously, famously on a user list titled Overrated and Annoying. Oh from that's, September third, twenty seventeen. No. Look, I agree. Very mean, but uh Will Farrell's the the on the cover of this one. Will Farrell, well, Angelina Jolie, Christina and, Hendricks. And, and Gina, Angelina Jolie? What has she even done recently? Like must not like her father. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, no, her father, get it. Totally understandable. Yeah. Jim That's Carrey. not her fault though. This is person on freaking crack cocaine, Paul Giamatti. Nuts. Paul's great. Benicio no. del Toro. What? They're just right. picking like from a grab bag now. Yeah, no. Those, these are just. This is just a list of actors I don't like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this person put. This person put Jussie Smollett. What? Jesse oh, Smollett. You, you remember what happened? Yeah. <laughs> Were they like? They saw that happen and they were like, gotta go put him in my overrated and annoying list. <laughs> yeah. Like nobody uh, knew who he was until then. This but. person, this person's nuts. Okay. But Billy Eilish uh, is at the end of the list. And Woody Allen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, Francis Ha? Oh uh, yeah, Francis Ha. It's so um, is there anything more to say about the plot, or is there? Do you guys want to get into the special features? Yeah, let's get into the special features. I, if you guys want to do like a final thing, good movie. Like I really like this movie. I think it's relatable, short. Two things I look for, right? I think if you're in your mid twenties and you're wondering why am I still, why still haven't I become successful? This is something you should definitely watch. So. I'm giving this a buy it, in my opinion. Yeah, I uh, grew to like this movie upon rewatch, which is always a good thing. Definitely left me um, in a weird, it, it left me in a weird mood, but it left me in that mood that, you know, you know, you just watched something you enjoyed. Um, it left me in a talk, both a talkative mood, kind of, kind of sad, but also good mood, good mood. That's a good mood when you watch something good that, you know, goes through you and you can relate to it. Right. I think um, Greta Gerwig gives a very specific performance in this movie. And you could just like go through different moments, different smaller moments and just highlight what she's saying on her face. And you get the idea. Like for one small moment that's even pointing out in the special features when they're talking about her specific performances, when Adam Driver goes to make a move, he like touches her on the shoulder and she immediately goes, eh. yeah. like, nope. And on her face, there's like five emotions happen on her face. Like she just goes through. They say in the special feature, she goes through a whole monologue just in her face. Yep. Um, it is yeah. a, a good performance. And um, I guess this is probably one of the major cornerstones of his <laughs> career. Yeah. Uh, of Bombeck's career. It's definitely yeah. a buy it for sure. Yeah. I, I um, once one day I'll start collecting his movies on Criterion. I don't think I own any of them, but I have to. And obviously this will be one I pick up. 
Yeah, I think I, my goal is to get all of his movies that are on. Yeah, I got only ones I have right now are just Marriage Story and Squid and the Whale. Yeah, so okay. I definitely need to add the rest. Yeah, I got this Francis Ha, or sorry, this Squid and the Whale and um, Marriage Story, which I think Kicking and Screaming might be the only other one. Yeah, that's one. I might be wrong. So, but to get before we get to special features, I would like to end on a very positive note that the person that made the overrated and annoying list, um, they also made Died. two. They made no, 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 no. There's only Aww. 31 people on that list, but they made two other lists. One titled "Cool Chicks," one titled <laughs> "Hot du- Hot Dudes." Cool chicks and hot dudes. And the cool chicks one has 657 people on it. And Holy the hot shit. dudes, hot dudes has seven hundred and ninety-three people. <laughs> so that's gone. This person's so, clearly much more positive. So wait, so did they just really just pick ugly people? Like, are you think of like Paul Giamatti, like <laughs> Adam nah. Driver, like people I don't whoa, like, whoa, think whoa. look attractive. But he put Christina Hendricks on here. Yeah, Angelina Jolie. I don't. <laughs> I could I could easily see him being like, that is not my type. Ew, Definitely not it's... a cool chick. Well, it's some of the obvious <laughs> ones that people always include: Amy Schumer, Lena Dunham, Sean Penn. You know. Easy punching bags. Easy, easy. Woody Cru- Allen. Why? Look, Tom Cruise is on here, but he, you know, he know you know he's our greatest action star. Okay. Uh, I mean, as his personal life aside, he he is pretty consistent. No, yeah, Tom Cruise, like in terms of like film, great. Who who else is threatening to kill themselves on screen like he is? Okay, Jackie Chan's not making movies like this anymore. Okay, so we need him. But hey, let's get to those supplements, huh? Yeah, all of these hey. juicy, juicy supplements. Um, I mean, if you got a free, you got a free thirty minutes, you could watch them all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess the first one I watched was the uh, the one with um, where it's a conversation between Peter Bogdanovich and uh, Bomb Back, um, and I really liked this one. I thought this was really cool just to see this really great director like uh, Bogdanovich just talk to Noah, like you know, like he like he loved the movie and just had some really interesting questions to talk about. Super cool. Yeah, that yeah. one really highlights the new wave elements of it of the film, which. I want that's another thing I'm not like mumblecore uh don't know too much about new wave we'll get into Godar films eventually um so I didn't really think about it when I was watching the movie um but once we get into those we'll talk about them uh but yes Peter Bogdanovich he's one of those guys that just pops up in places and I always like when he does uh for example like this was just I did not this you know was one of the only moments I liked in this film. It chapter two, he just shows up as a director in one scene. Wait, Peter Bogdanovich is in it chapter two. I didn't even know that. <laughs> he just shows up. He just shows up. He's a guy that just shows up, and every time he's good, like Sopranos, he shows up, and it's good. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. He's on Sopranos. He's so he and he always has his scarf on. He yeah, always that has sweet scarf. scarf. He's yeah. he's such a lovable figure. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a fun little interview and by the end you get their relationship when he kind of talks about how peter dog peter bogdanovich is like his movie father kind of yep called him dad i guess he taught him everything you are my i bless you my son Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and it was so nice to hear that right i don't know that was probably one of the more heartwarming warming supplements i've ever seen on criterion 
Uh, I'm sure it's nice because I'm sure I'm sure he grew up watching Bogdanovich's movies and just to have that conversation and have that director be enamored with your work that's got to be a great feeling right um some really good questions too that's where we learn that fact that you mentioned Chris about um improv like it's like oh did this all you know was it improv and like it's like no this is scripted completely scripted which I think is cool to know because I I probably wouldn't have guessed that um fully so yeah and you kind of get a little a little funny highlight of like the naturalistic lighting of the movie too Mm -hmm. um the fact that when she was when they were shooting her on the plane um i guess she wasn't lit by anything but the screen that was like in front of her on the chair what was it showing it was showing tron tron yeah so she was lit by tron in that scene um and yeah that's one of those interviews it's just a like you know it gives a good context for the movie gets you understanding what the director wanted from this movie um and it's you know it's nice to see that little relationship between Peter and Noah. It's, it's nice. Yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. Yeah, and then um, we get another then, conversation, right? Yeah, between uh, director Sarah Polly and uh, Greta Gerwig, they have like their own sit down interview together, mm-hmm. which was another really good interview, I guess, to get in the mind of that character. Um, it helped. It, I feel like this one really helped me understand the nuances of the Greta Gerwig in this movie you know mm-hmm. definitely it's yeah. it's you know the most essential part of the movie is her her character and her performance and it's you know was pretty important for these supplements to highlight that so it's a good interview um, yeah it's, it's nice to hear Greta Gerwig just talking about her process yeah and we also we didn't really hear it too much in Noah Baumbach's interview, but we kind of hear about how they collaborated to Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach. Like, like sometimes they would like write together and sometimes they would write their own type of work and kind of come together and bring it together. Um, so you can kind of see how they worked. But uh, she gave her own like type of facts about how she interprets the character of Francis and like how she, what she brought to that role. Mm-hmm. And... Um, she does talk about one of her biggest influences for this performance was David Thewlis and Naked. Yeah, which I and love that little fact because they seem like complete opposites. And she even <laughs> says that in the interview. And it's because of, yeah, the pure specificity and what he finds in that performance yeah. and the places he goes. Um, but another thing too, kind of learn about Noah Baumbach is that he likes doing a lot of takes. Um, and she says like, one scene where they're just walking to the apartment he did for like 40 times um and it's one of those things where it's like you know she was talking about how in her performance she really liked the first take but you got to get over the first take and then like in the next 20 takes you kind of find something and then even by the 40th take you're doing something new and that you discover while you're shooting um so that's interesting to hear about him as a director and that's where we learn too that she says that when she visits her family, that's like her actual parents that that they go yeah. out and see. So, and and they, I guess apparently that was a much more elongated like sequence. Like it was a much longer originally, but then they're like, well, if we, if we actually would have to make them act. We would actually have to get real actors. No offense to my parents. But, mm-hmm. but that pays off so well when you're watching a movie because it, the sequence, it's like, 
there and then gone. <laughs> it goes so fast. And that's, you know, how I feel whenever I go home for a holiday. Yep. You know, it's like there and back again. Um, not to bring up The Hobbit or anything. Um, but <laughs> um, It was yeah. definitely an unexpected journey. <laughs> hopefully not decimated by smoke let's let's yeah it, it, she did a good job avoiding the dragon's lair i'll say that um <laughs> but um, the uh the other special feature on here the uh the last one is um a, the conversation between bomback and the director of photog- photography sam Sam Levy and Pascal Dangan, who did all the movies color mastering. And this one I thought was another really good interview. Yeah. Yeah. It, one of my favorite facts that they revealed is like when they actually went to uh, France, like you can kind of see it. Um, like there's scenes where they have like these big, like they said, like in color, like they were doing some type of celebration, like at, at the time. So they had these big, giant, like, ugly neon rings and they said like in color it looked awful but when you actually shoot it in black and white they said like it, it adds so much more like it looks like these little like angelic halos like hanging from the hanging in the air mm-hmm. yeah and it's, it's stuff like that that just like you know helps this movie because I, mean, I always hear about like um from older directors looking at newer directors is you shoot in black and or people will shoot in color and then in post it's just like oh let's make it black and white but to get that true like perfect black and white photography you have to have someone there who understands how black and white works because black and white and color are completely you know different lighting wise and style wise um and it it definitely seems like the people that worked on this movie understood what they could get out of black and white um photography and, and this is also where we learn where this is all digital and it's his first digital movie, which is interesting. So this is, is a, ding. Oh, yeah. ding. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a good supplement for anyone interested in movie photography. It, it's definitely interesting to hear um, the process and the, the layers of color they had to add to make it, to bring out the proper black mm-hmm. and white and bring out what they wanted and dip from scene to scene um like how much they had to light certain parts you know how much they had to bring out the colors mm-hmm. uh, just so you could even see what's going on <laughs> or to yeah. add to a character's aura like they talk about how like adam driver's character um they didn't really add much light to him right mm-hmm. and he kind of you know but he you could still see him and I'm guessing that's because maybe that's just because Adam Driver has such a he has a, such a, a shape, you know. Yes, yeah, he is a he has something going on. Um, you also get to see in this one the screen test that I like the really the screen test that they took originally, and it looked awful. It was like out of focus and everything. I right, that was interesting. Yeah, that was kind of neat to see. Right? Yeah, how awful it looked, and <laughs> yeah. then you go to the actual movie, and it looks just so. Like, like they say in the supplement, it looks silky. As a silky yeah. it looks nice. Uh, they did a really good job, uh, you know, um, shooting this movie properly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was uh, all Does, the supplements, uh, right? All of them. Would you, like to, would you like to describe the cover? Oh. Me? Describe the yes. cover? She's going nuts. Yeah. There She's she going is. Wild. She's just dancing. 
big letters, Francis Ha, black and white cover. I feel like this is like a recurring motif on this show where we only do black and white covers. Um, this, ha this has happened a couple times. But yeah, it's her dancing kind of like a blurry picture. Um, yeah, just simple black and white still from the movie. I actually don't mind it. Uh, another one that's simple, but works. Like it, it captures the essence of the movie and some of them, one of the most memorable scenes. Um, what's interesting about this release is it's one of the few DVD Blu-ray combos. When they first were getting in the Blu-ray, um, they went into combo discs for a little bit and they decided to just keep them separate. So yeah, there's mine is still in my, uh, my Xbox, but yeah, we got one DVD and then there'll be Blu-ray on top and the inside's the building, which would make sense because, you know, she moves from apartment to apartment. And, Is uh, there any uh, inserts in there like the other releases? Yep. There's a nice booklet. Um, it's got some nice screenshots in here. I'm not going to lie. I forgot to read it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's another recurring thing on this podcast. We always forget. Nobody that. ever reads. Nobody <laughs> no, reads I need inserts. to sit down and do it. I was like the lead not to read. Okay. <laughs> but it's uh, got an essay by a playwright named Annie Baker. But no, it's got some nice photography in it and everything. Uh, so I guess, you know good film we would clearly recommend checking it out it's never seen a Noah Baumbach movie I mean you might turn this on and really love it you know uh it is just considered one of his stronger films but you know maybe for like a person like me watching his other films like Kicking and Screaming or um I guess even Mistress America even though Mistress America is very similar to this but yes. I love the farcical elements of Mistress America uh, I think that's what really got me into his filmmaking um how that really veers into just absurdist comedy um we clearly like it all right <laughs> and uh i've even grown to like this movie a lot but hey look some people hate it from the start all mm -hmm. right you know i didn't like it from the start right but let's hear some people that really hated it from the start on our movies with right. the, yeah. uh, spine segment Something Ryan says every time to start the segment. What's this? Oh, what's, yeah. What is this? What is uh -huh. this? Uh, what is this called? Is it called? Uh, 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 what is this one called? Spineless. I... <laughs> <laughs> that be... uh, it is now. Yeah. Welcome to Spineless. We're gonna go into the, all the negative reviews on IMDb and other sites. Well, as we say, as our as all Spineless reviews are, one's man treasure is another man's trash. So. Uh, this first review comes from uh, Chris Meal in 2013. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> you found it! <laughs> I've seen 1,000 movies, and this one is the worst. <laughs> I've seen every single movie I've seen. This is definitely the worst. Uh, no. There might be one on Rotten Tomatoes. I used to write a lot of reviews on it. <laughs> hey, me too. <laughs> I wonder where those are at. This one is called atrocious surprisingly so and this is from 2013 what a disappointment gee i thought i had been a big admirer of noah Baumbach, but and it's spelled but like an ass but nice. this film might have an utterly destroyed my faith in him nothing comes across as genuine scenes exist for no cognate reason is this satire on woody allen uh, the lead character is an unappealing bore she is unlike any 20-something I have ever known in New York. As written, she appears to be to have been mentally unbalanced and without charm. In what world is she a dancer? 
after 15 minutes, I'm praying for her to shut up. I'm a native New Yorker and I don't get the characters <laughs> at all. I'm, I'm sorry for an uncharacteristic hostile review. <laughs> My reviews are all great, but this is a real letdown. Sorry, Noah and Adam, but I give this a one. Wow. Wow, the king of reviews on IMDb <laughs> slamming it down with a one. I give this one a one. Number one on my list. I hate the rest of his movies much more. <laughs> yeah, it completely <laughs> changed my mind on his movies. It was so good. Oh I my gave God. all of his other movies a 10, but I am now retroactively grading them to ones now. <laughs> uh-huh. His best release since Madagascar 3. No, no doubt. Uh-uh. Yes. All right. Well, one of the uh, things we liked about it, uh, or that we said, was that uh, how natural the dialogue sounded. Uh, and this article is called, this review is called Female Friends Do Not Talk to Each Other as Depicted. Uh, they just don't. The conversation between the female friends at the beginning of the move was unacceptable and degrading to women. So this is not a true representation of how young women speak about their relationships to other women. It sounded as if a man wrote the dialogue uh, as he would wish women would speak. It ruined the movie for me. I have a lot of friends, okay? Trust me. I have a lot of friends and none of them talk like this, all right? I have so many Most friends. of them female. <laughs> yes. Right. I have a lot of friends um, and a man wrote this movie, okay? Yes, a, a woman also wrote the movie too. You know, they work together, but a man was involved. This movie is false, okay? Just putting it out there. Uh, this next one is from 2016, and it's titled Bombback and Gerwig Kick Down Open Doors. Entitled Mean-Spirited Lazy. There's a French saying about lazy artists picking easy targets. It's known as kicking down open doors. That's exactly what Francis Ha does. Nothing to see here unless you're young and wealthy in New York City and somehow still feel you you need vindication, in which case come right in and make yourself at home. Sorry, but in my book, everything is politics and this movie specifically invites the type of criticism I am making here. Unfortunately, the ruling class in this country has such a stranglehold on the art world that a a self-indulgent piece of garbage like this will, rather than meet with criticism, get raised from the kind of cozy intellectual mainstream that like blue but that that like blue but blue bloods throughout history look down on labor and working for a living this is tired stuff folks these sentiments were exciting when the beat generation a generation which actually struggled for their art exalted in them in the 50s to imply that one can transpose those same power elite tangents to spoiled rich kids in new york city in 2016 is just insulting. I'm not a fan of the men's right movement either, but oh, the movie takes mans- take takes mansploitation to a new level. Francis Ha actually managed to make me feel sorry for a Wall Street broker bro. Jesus, what an accomplishment. Why? Because I have humanity and these characters are all about dehumanizing the other and those who are not like them. Why not tie Patch down and crab down his throat while you're at it? I I am far from anti-intellectual, but I do consider myself a bit too far to the left in my politics to relate to the facile 
rich kid uber domination of the arts that has become the norm in today's America and is lovingly represented in Francis Hall. Watching this movie, I kept wishing the guillotine would come back in vogue. Uh, what the f- <laughs> What was that review? Everything this person's saying, I never thought once while watching this movie. Buzzword. Oh, buzzword. Buzzword. Yeah, buzzword. Left-wing Wall Street broker, buzzword. bro. Uh, I mean, <laughs> It doesn't vindicate. You guys did not get this. It does not vindicate wealthy, rich New Yorkers. It's not like they're great. Their characters are like assholes. You know, yes, they they address the they they address the issue of a bunch of rich white kids like being artists. They say like they're all jerks and they don't. They're not like they don't have to work for anything. Yeah, not once. The only like the only character that you like even relate to in the movie is francis because all the other characters are just kind of show up you know they're just like assholes in her life that could come and go right they're just the yeah. people that come and go i don't did, did they watch a person, cut i think this person watched like the wolf of wall street and didn't understand <laughs> it or something yeah. i don't know there's they too like, much going on here they're really trying to prove something here they watched like the man cut because <laughs> the exploitation <laughs> they watched i don't they watched uh, Patches Ha. Isn't that the name of the guy? Patches. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I don't think there's even like, a, there's not even like one scene where like where it's just two men in one room together. No. It's always like it's at least either it's either female female or male female in every scene. So it's about a, a female. All I, yeah. all I really and, care about is if the movie passes the Bechdel test, and uh, then I turn it off. <laughs> Even if it does pass the Bechdel test, I still turn it off. I don't have time for movies. I have adult things to do. Okay. It passes the test. Shut it off. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> movies. Yes, movies can have political messages in them, um, but maybe at the end of the day, that's not what they're all about. One hundred percent. You're digging a little right. deep, buddy. I mean, like you can look at anything and and get a, a political message from it. You know, it's just it's ingrained in everything. But also, th- that's not what they're all about. I mean, if you're going to watch everything politically minded, you're going to go nuts. You're going to lose your mind. Yeah, I couldn't and imagine this person, watching. This person is too online. Get off the internet. <laughs> yeah. Get off. Well, get off. Log off. Watch log Paddington 2. <laughs> Have a good day. You missed, you missed the point. Bad. Bad. Sorry, I'm, I'm doing like a hand movement, like I'm throwing like sand at them or something. Pocket sand. <laughs> Stones. All right, this is the last one I'll go with. But uh, this uh, this person also had a uh, problem with the elitism of this movie, so uh, it's titled "I Don't Get These People." It's <laughs> official. I hate this director's movies. I've been wondering why, and I've been wondering why I feel so angry about him, and it just dawned on me: it's about class. See, I grew up working class, not indulged. And I had, I had worked for a living starting at age sixteen. I understand the value of hard work, sure, but I also understand the necessity for it for people like me. When I and my relatives have problems, they are real problems: cancer, loss of job that may result in homelessness, bearing for years an awful boss with forty IQ points less than us because we need the boring job, alcoholism, and no money to to go to Tony Tony Recovering Resorts. I don't know. Having to eat <laughs> beans and rice, not from an eating disorder fad, but because that's all we can afford living with 
Sorry, is this a movie about like California, like Hollywood people? What the fuck? (laughs) What is this movie about? I I forget. Living with dental pain for five years because we can't afford basic dentistry, much less teeth bleaching, and the grinding, endless truth of being stuck in our class because the uber wealthy won't allow us to move from it no matter how well we follow the rules of careful education careful savings and hard work so when i see these movies by overly indulged people and about overly indulged people i get so angry i see red i don't care about these people and their petty self-invented problems i wish for them (laughs) that they get hit by a truck and lose a leg or two and earn a real (laughs) problem so they understand what bs this bs they make films about is not such a thing would be a real problem for them like it would be for people of my class who can't afford good health care, but at least it would be more of this non-problem crap they get so whiny about in their whiny movies. Movies like this make me wonder, and not for the first time, why there isn't a violent class revolution. Hey, we'd like... <laughs> <laughs> we would we would just like a year or two of experiencing these non-problem problems. Gee, gee, I, I can't decide what an upper middle artsy thing to to be after my trip to Paris. Gee, my parents still love me perfectly and just the way I want to be loved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you. This guy needs a better dental Ooh. plan. That's what I'm getting dental out of plan. this. Dental yeah. plan. Places. Thank you for sharing your life story, sir. Um <laughs> Good God. Yeah, like this is like one of those rambling Facebook posts. Do people yeah. not do people not notice that in the movie things are awful? <laughs> like yeah. the social situations she finds herself in are just like kind of miserable, as if to say, like maybe living like people that are living an upper class kind of New York lifestyle are kind of vapid. Yeah, um, like sure she's like an artist, but she's broke and poor and she's dealing with like these vapid like like is that's a good word vapid people right they're not considered like like look at these people these are the stars of society no and and even and even when she goes to paris it's not like she has money to go to paris she says like they said like oh i just used some credit cards and maxed them out and i'm just in debt for the rest of my life now it's it's like the movie's not lying about someone's experience in their 20s living in New York, can't afford things. They constantly talk about rent. Like every scene, like when she's talking about her roommate, it's almost like uh, talking about like rent at the end of the day is what, you know, she needs the most is rent money. Like her, her life is dedicated to paying rent because she lives in a place, she, she lives in a country where, uh, you know, people are spending like up to $2,000 for, uh, these tiny ass apartments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't get how someone like this feels like a plan. <laughs> this review. <laughs> well, this I was will, written I by. Will. This was written by like um what's uh oh, shit what's her name <laughs> uh, no Bombax ex wife. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Jennifer yeah. Jason Lee. She hired a ghostwriter <laughs> to make this because that like this movie taking out that on this movie a movie about how like. I mean, life in New York, you know, it can be wonderful, but also there's a lot of awful stuff you got to deal with. It seems like somebody who like who grew up poor and then watched this girl go to Paris and just like got really angry because they couldn't go to Paris. Right. Or his like teeth is causing him major pain and he just hates every (laughs) damn movie that he watches. I'll say the same thing this person said to the last guy. Log off. 
go uh, go do something, become a political activist. All right, go do that instead because this review you're aiming at a movie that does not look does not gain you know, deserve that righteous anger. Okay. Well, you may have not liked the review, but 106 people out of 193 found it helpful. That is really high. That is, <laughs> I think, that's I think, surprising. I feel like it might be from a lot of people that maybe shut off the movie after like the first 30 minutes. Yeah. Or maybe we're just annoyed and they stayed annoyed the entire time. Because mm-hmm. it, it is a, it's a, specific, you know, it's a movie about specificities. I've said it a hundred times in this podcast, but it's, you know, it's not just like, doing what it's doing just to be doing what it's doing, which is what, uh, you know, you can aim at a lot of so-called mumblecore and independent films that are shot in black and white, Mm -hmm. independent films, art house films of that sort. Any movie that has... But those are just like, you know, this is worth worth some sort of salt, right? Yes. I I will say, though, it is very admirable that a movie gets them so worked up they feel like they need to share their life story like they they felt so passionately about the movie i think that at least it needs to be at least like three stars in my opinion if they, if you have to write a review that big <laughs> it, it definitely moved you in some way maybe not the right way yeah it at least got you feeling right you're feeling yeah. something after the movie and um, why while- i mean there this person's anger seems very real um you know it is a lot it's something that uh, a lot of people have to deal with um this does not feel like a review written by a real person <laughs> i'm sorry i don't know who's looking at francis han writing that <laughs> right who this person sounds like he should have just turned it off 20 minutes in and then just never thought about it again right like just like oh i don't like this turning it off i'm not gonna torture myself and then he goes he turns around and gives like hillbilly elegy a 10 star rating yeah, like uh, this is my life ron howard a man who grew up you know poor and broke and had to work hard for his money knows the story of hillbilly elegy yeah he was on he uh, was on that one sitcom when he was a child or whatever that i i grew up watching yeah leave it was it leave it the beaver i don't know <laughs> Well, uh, who knows? It was the Andy yeah. McGriffin McMuffin no, that, show. That, that, see, that's the same <laughs> argument. Oh, the Andy Griffith show? The Andy yeah. McMuffin Andy show. Andy McMuffin. <laughs> but no, that, that's the thing. It's the same argument where Ron Howard, you know, did not come from a place like Hillbilly Elegy and then uh, made a movie about it. So, but then uh, people universally hated that movie. We don't normally do this, but I did want to look while we were talking. I did look at other reviews the guys get that particular person did and uh they did give eight an eight to uh london has fallen with uh gerard butler so uh, <laughs> the guy's got taste yeah, 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 yeah. that rocks hey whoa whoa what the heck are we talking about next time huh Hardly. what are we talking about we are talking about spine number 334 harlan county usa yeah, our first USA, documentary. USA. People are going to love oh. this one, especially those people that reviewed Francis Hall. USA. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's right there know, in the title, oh, baby. If this movie's are, about loving it. If you are in the working class, this movie is for you. <laughs> it is, yeah. I'm excited. I've never seen no it. No artsy, fartsy a, crap here. It's, I watched it's, it for the first it, time months ago. Francis, stay away from this one, okay? real problems are being had here. 
<laughs> yes. Thanks for listening. Yeah, catch you um, later. Catch you on the next one. Go check out Media Boys if you really want to. Uh, talk to you later. Have a great. Have a great day. I'm I'm Chris Meat. Oh,